There is a library that exists at the Nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Welcome to the Eternity Archives. We are an actual play tabletop podcast where we take on the roles of archivists traveling to different realities and playing different tabletop games. Right now we are between arcs, so we have a tea time for you. It's been a while since we've done a Q&A, so we've asked uh, listeners like you to send us questions, and today we're going to answer them. We've got a real interesting assortment to get through. But first, let us introduce ourselves. My name is Dorka, my pronouns are she, her, and I play Zen, the lizard barbarian princess. And these are my co-hosts. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Bappy, my pronouns are they, them. I play Real De Jaquel, the tiefling baby adult person. Thank you for not saying adult baby again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and my pronoun... Er- and I'm Ziva. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Linda, the adorable human office lady. All right. Well, with that out of the way, I've broken up our questions into three different categories. We have questions about the library and the podcast. We have questions about tabletop gaming in general. And we have just a few personal questions just about us. So we're going to start out in the library because that's what everyone really cares about is our weird library lore. Yeah, no one cares about us. (laughs) (laughs) If they listen all the way to the end, that's how we know they really care about us. Yeah. So our first question is from Martha, who sent in a whole bunch of questions for us. But this is our first one. Uh, How did the protagonists first come to the library? And did they like each other right away when they met? I kind of touched on it at the end of the Wander Home arc. Rill was at a party that did not go well and so they ran away um and then they just kind of stumbled into some kind of shelter uh it was it was raining very hard and then that's just how they ended up at the library i don't think they disliked uh (laughs) zen or linda when they met them i'd say we've got they got along pretty well since the start Linda's pretty hard to dislike. Yeah, and Linda's pretty hard to uh, make you dislike. No, that's not the way I meant to say it. She doesn't dislike <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> I think Zen and Rill were a little more iffy on each other at first. Yeah, they're very opposite personalities. Yeah, and I think we, uh, I think we've touched on that a little bit, like throughout the show and our different arcs. I think they're they're much they're much closer now than they were before. Yeah. Zen also mentioned at the end of Wander Home that she was like Rill running away from something. She uh was being chased by let's say bad guys 
and ducked through an archway in some old ruins and escaped. But that's because she was suddenly in the library and not where she used to be. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Wow. Zen considers us a loss. (laughs) (laughs) So Linda uh, was having a series of extremely normal days, by which I mean kind of boring days. You know those days in the office where, like, you come in, you clock in, and then, like, you blink severance mode and the day's over? She had a lot of those. Uh, and so she was a little excited when her boss asked her to go to some weird part of the building she'd never been in before. Uh, she opened a door to a, a supply closet she'd never been in, and she was not, in fact, in a supply closet. She found herself in the library. She was, I think, probably more excited than the others to be there because like she's very she likes new things and she's very socially driven and so for her it was like oh man a whole bunch of new friends Um, but I also think that she's enjoyed getting to like really know people as friends and not just as like co-workers or casual acquaintances and her boss is still waiting on those TPS reports yeah yeah he's never gonna get them your boss is like definitely in jail because he's the prime suspect of like <laughs> your missing persons case. <laughs> okay, so our next question, also from Martha, is have any of you, or have any of us, found any cool places in the library that we haven't talked about yet? I like to think that there's like a really cool aquarium somewhere and not an aquarium like a fish tank, like one of those ones you see at like the professional aquariums where it just keeps going back and back and back um except it's the library so it probably is like an infinite aquarium and there's all kinds of weird sea creatures in there it just sounds it just sounds kind of nice sounds fun i was gonna say a swimming pool and um right now i am combining those two. Oh, sick <laughs> you can you can get in the aquarium i'm sure we have some aquatic archivists Probably. I was also going to make a joke that it was a pool, but I feel like we've made that joke before, so I'm not I'm not sure. Have have I have we ever mentioned I I can never I think we've remember. joked about the pool on the roof. Yeah, we yeah, definitely we joked, joked about the pool yeah. on the roof. Have we ever talked about like a hydroponics garden? I can like ooh, never remember ooh. what we've actually talked about and what I've just like imagined in my head. But I figured they got to get food somewhere. So like a ever-expanding hydroponics-type garden. Um, I mean, it's not like the library is missing space, right? Like, so it, maybe maybe there's a farm in the library somewhere. Maybe there's Ooh, a farm room. That'd be pretty <laughs> rad. All right. Our next question is from our friend Kat. You may remember Kat from our heroic chord arc. Kat asks, Can I use the library computers to make Pokemon fan sites on Angel Fire? And uh, Kat, I'm going to say that you can use the library computers to do pretty much whatever you want. There are no firewalls here. Wow, there of... must be so many weird viruses on these computers. <laughs> the, I feel like the Renicles just have like a an eldritch floppy drive full of like uh, McAfee when it was still owned by uh, John McAfee himself. <laughs> and they just they just you know there's constantly flipping floppy drives in there and fixing the viruses because yeah there's got to be a ton of weird viruses viruses we've never seen or heard of before yeah and we never will because the renticles are on it yeah they're they're keeping it contained so it doesn't it doesn't come to us no flash drives out of the library absolutely not under no circumstances 
I do kind of like to imagine that there's a lot of technology in the library, but most of it's weirdly outdated. Like, like you go to print something out and like it's, it prints out on like a dot matrix printer and you're like, why, why is there a dot matrix printer here? Um, I don't know. I just like that aesthetic of like, it's wildly outdated to y'all, but to Zen, it is literal magic. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so we show Zen an iPod touch (laughs) (laughs) or a Zune. (laughs) It's just all zoons. You just you get like a like a a perfectly good phone from somewhere. You put it in a drawer and you pull it out the next morning and you're like, oh, it's a zoon again. Yeah, it's just uh, all the zoons that they threw away. It just fell in through a portal and just ended up at the library. So the library is just... the, the land of forgotten zoons. Yeah, and also that old ET Atari game that they buried. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All the ones that didn't end up in the desert, they're all in the library. You put in any video game and there's yeah. a good chance it's going to be E.T. Atari. Yeah, R- <laughs> Real hates that so much. <laughs> all right. Our next question is from Martha again. Does the library have any windows and what do you see when you look out of them? In my mind, like there are windows, but they're kind of like those fake windows that like just kind of have like a painting of a landscape on the other side <laughs> and like nothing really outside of them. So that that's just what I envision. Yeah, I want to say that you could look outside and see like galaxies and stuff and it'd be cool. But like that, I think if we could actually see where the library was, it would freak all of us out. Yeah, I mean, I always thought there'd be windows, but you just look out and it's like vaguely space. So maybe it's real space or maybe it's not real space. Or maybe it is just like the Windows 2000s, like, Green Valley background. I think the only one who's been outside of the library is Magnolia, and we don't know how they got out there. Yeah, how did they, like, not explode from the, like, pressure of space? It's very suspicious for a normal human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They must have found a space suit. A normal human space suit. Is there an (laughs) airlock room? Like, can you leave the library? No one knows how they got out there. Interesting. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna chalk that one up to. <laughs> so our next question is from Quest. Uh, how has the alteration of physical form through the book drop affected each archivist? Is that possibility of transformation something they are weary of each time an assignment is given? And then we also have a question from Martha, which I'm putting them both out there at the same time because they're kind of a similar theme. Which is, does the disassembly slash reassembly of your bodies seem to be taking a toll or making changes in you physically? Let's get into some some transformation talk. I think Rill still hates it. <laughs> like, <laughs> as someone who has been at odds with their physical body, but also, like, being in the library and growing into themselves, it's sort of like the evil you know, I guess, is, like, more comfortable than something you don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. I think for them, they are just, like, they don't really like changing into different forms. It's just, like, too different, and it's just, like, it it, it is uncomfortable for them, I think. Yeah, Real seems to have a tougher time with it than than the rest of us. Zen kind of has mixed feelings on it. She's realized by now that in most worlds she is human 
And I think the interesting thing we've noted there is that she kind of has a sort of standard recurring human form. So, like, she kind of looks like the same human every time, which, like, is kind of funny that, like, her mental image of herself as a human is just based on the first time she was ever a human. But she really misses having a tail, mostly. Like, everything else is, like, she can take it or leave it, but she... Like, not having a tail is missing a whole ass limb, and that's not yeah. her favorite thing. I But I don't think it's, like... She doesn't, like, dread it, and it's not, like, taking a, a toll on her outside of work. It's just... It's part of the job, and it means that on days where she is closer to her standard form, it's a good day. Yeah, Rill doesn't like not having their tail or, like, their wings... Rill's missing more than one limb. Yeah. Like, I don't, once again, I don't remember this is something I've actually touched on, but I always imagine that, like, in their world, you kind of had to have, like, a license to use your wings. Because, you know, you can't just have people fly. Well, I guess you could have people just flying around. Um, And I don't think they ever got their license. (laughs) So it's kind of like they had to get used to having their wings and kind of being able to use them and stuff like that and so just like i don't think we've ever seen real fly yeah no yeah (laughs) i don't think they really like they have their wings out and i think that's kind of like something they've eventually gotten comfortable with because usually they've they've hid them hmm maybe one day they will fly. Usually flying is OP in like tabletop <laughs> games. So it's like not really something I've like specced for. I think in Pathfinder I, I could have specced into it, but I mean that's spoilers. I did not spec into flying, but I think it was an option. First of all, I'd like to say that a tail is indeed a whole ass limb. That is oh correct. My God. <laughs> um but the second the thing that I was gonna say that's actually like relevant to the question and not just me being an ass. I think in Linda's case she's really had it easy with the transformations. So it's not necessarily a fair comparison for her to be like, yeah, no biggie. Um, because usually when she goes to someplace, she has at least like a uh f- relatively familiar form. She doesn't tend to change a ton. And she always has stuff added, not really stuff taken away, except for Dungeon Bitches, where she was invisible. Um, and that was stressful, but I think that was more stressful. There was a lot more stress going on than just being invisible. Um, so yeah, I don't think that's like necessarily a fair comparison. I don't think she's like ever super worried about it. Um, but I think she'd have a hard time if she went to a world where like she was Weird a snake. Things. Yeah, if there was like something completely different than what she was used to. Um, what if, if she's, Zen like, became a snake? What? <laughs> what if Zen became a snake? Oh, that, that'd be horrible. That would be even worse. <laughs> I think if Linda were like a snake or like a plant monster, she would have a really hard time. But she hasn't been either of those so far. So fingers crossed. I don't know. Maybe we'll play some weird shit at some point. (laughs) What if we all just became snakes with hats? Now we're going to be like looking for that game. (laughs) Yeah, I'd absolutely play a game where we just play cute little snakes with hats. And our last question in the library category is from Ember. Ember played uh, Hack the Planet with us. If two archivists were on the moon and one of them killed the other with a rock, would that be fucked up or what? (laughs) Thank you, Ember. Thanks, Ember. Yes, it would be. Well, hold on. I want to go into this a little bit more. Who is more <laughs> likely to kill someone with a rock out of the three of us? I was thinking Rill would have 
a possibility of be just becoming unhinged like if we were all stuck on the moon and oh, just yeah. like i was gonna say real oh, oh really see, i was gonna say zen because a lizard throwing a rock in space is just how you gotta be that's also true what is this a meme <laughs> it's a star trek yeah oh my it's god a star trek. It's the, the gorn <laughs> throws a rock at captain kirk and the rock is clearly made of foam, but uh, <laughs> he has to pretend like it's super heavy and scary. It's very good. Yes. Interesting. So between Zen and Rill, I guess would they try to kill each other? I mean, that's just our dungeon bitches arc. <laughs> I think the most fucked up thing is that Linda would just be watching and then... <laughs> <laughs> no, Linda would try to intervene. And then she... Linda kills them both with, a, with two rocks. <laughs> Hopefully none of us kills any, kills anyone with a rock. But it would be fucked up if it did happen. It would yeah, be and, fucked up. And Magnolia's just floating in the background watching. <laughs> like, hey, you guys good? <laughs> and we're just on the floor with X's for eyes. <laughs> all right. So our next few questions are about uh, tabletop, games, mechanics, all of that juicy stuff. And dice. Uh, first question in this category is from Kathleen. Kathleen says, The dice tyrant is coming and has declared that all citizens of the land pay steep tribute. Which members of your precious dice collection do you give up in the face of this injustice and why? Speaking of missing limbs. Um, no, I'm, I'm joking, <laughs> but this is a hard question to answer. I think, let me see, I have a set of orange dice that were like a bonus with an order and they're orange with little like swirly glitter in them, which is very pretty. Don't get me wrong. But I think those are like the only ones I own that aren't like blue and purple and pink. And so I think I'd probably have to give up my orange dice for the sense of symmetry. I'm be honest. I think the dice tyrant already took my dice because I don't know where any of them are. <laughs> Your cat's been eating them on the, on the uh, side. Oh, oh no. Well, no wonder she's not. not. No wonder she hasn't been eating her food. Um, no, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I think it's easier to answer which dice I would keep. Um, a while back, like a couple years back, Cat uh, ran like a heroic cord giveaway thing for like the printing of the book. And it came with dice. And I used those on our recording. And those dice... Roll sixes all the way, baby. Those are some good ass dice. You rolled so so, I, so yeah. well during yeah. that arc. Yeah, yeah, those those dice are. I don't know if I just got lucky or they're secretly weighted. Who knows? But those are some <laughs> those are some good dice. Heroic cord was our most powerful rail. <laughs> it's only been downhill from there. Um, no, uh, and then I I have bought some dice like before that that are like very purple not purple i mean they are purple i was gonna say they're very pretty but they're like purple and gl blue and glittery and also like some orange and like teal ones i want to say that are glittery and those roll like shit the dice tyrant can take those <laughs> <laughs> i have a set of disappointing dice a couple years back i got some kickstarter dice which was like this set of dice with like a liquid core so when you roll them it's supposed to be like swirly and pretty and stuff and when you bite into them the jelly comes out <laughs> into <Ooh>. your gushers <laughs> so so i have these like liquid swirly dice and i've just found that like the effect just isn't as impressive as i had hoped for so i would sacrifice those to our dice tyrant 
Did you try eating them, though? I would rather not. Okay, Ram, come eat these dice. (laughs) (laughs) Ram has the dice cravings. She's gotta. (laughs) All right, so speaking of dice, we have another question from Kat. Which dice mechanic is your favorite, and why do the other ones piss you off? (laughs) I'm going to get in here before anyone else and say that my favorite dice mechanic is the escalation die. Ooh, that's an excellent choice. Yeah, that's a good dice mechanic. Um, I can't think of what my favorite dice mechanic is. I can I can think of what my least favorite dice mechanic is, and it's just rolling a d20 and adding stuff to it. I just <laughs> I, I just fucking hate it. So, okay, because because like you are supposed to be good at this thing, right? I'm sure I ranted about this before. I'm just going to rant about it again. You're supposed to be good at this thing, right? So you roll a d20 and you add a fucking modifier to it. And the modifier is like, oh, you have proficiency. You have a plus seven, blah, blah, blah. You have like, let's say a 10 is average and a 15 is like a difficult check, right? And you just have this chance if you have like a plus five, which is pretty decent, like you have like a 50-50 chance to fail at something you're supposed to be good at, which is really, st- and 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 you're supposed to be like, it's just, it makes no sense. It's just you, a one through a 10 is pretty much a garbage roll. Even like a, an 11 to 15 sometimes could be kind of a garbage roll if you're like, if it's something that's like really difficult, like a like a DC twenty or something, or even something that's higher in a DC twenty, but you're supposed to be like this big badass hero, and you're at the whims of this fucking stupid orb, and <laughs> it just I've rolled so many misses on the spell guiding bolt, which makes me very upset because you think a spell called guiding bolt you would not miss on because it's supposed to be guiding, it's guided, it's it's. It has a direction. It has a GPS. It should be hitting things, and it's not. And, like, what are you supposed to do? You just roll the die, and you're like, oh, uh, fuck me today, I guess. Spoiler alert for our upcoming Pathfinder arc. We all rolled like trash. (laughs) I just, I hate, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate, it's, oh, it's not enough mitigation to just be like, okay, you get a big fat number added to it. Because it's like, RNG doesn't make sense. There are days where you'll just roll fucking ones and fives and below. And it's just like, cool. But that number added to it is meant to be the mitigation. Yeah. And it's not enough. That's what I'm saying. It's just not enough mitigation because it's still completely too much of it is reliant on good RNG when it's like, and there's no skill to that. It's just you roll and if you get unlucky, you don't get to have fun. <laughs> I feel very differently about D20s, um, <laughs> which is mostly just because they're my favorite die. They're they're very stimmy. I was thinking about like the reasons I like D20s, and that's just it. It's just really stimmy. If I'm taking my neurodivergence hat off, though, um, I really only like the rolling the D20s and adding a modifier when you're playing something that has a fun feel to it or the randomness adds to the experience. If I'm like playing goof mups with my friends, I got no problem with failing randomly because sometimes that's more fun. But uh, yeah, I agree that it's not very satisfying when you're like, I'm like the strongest barbarian in the world and you roll like a two, like every time you roll. 
it's very it's, frustrating it's, it's just like sorry go on i, I, I no, can, no, no. I can, my, my my comments less relevant i i was just gonna say it's like that anyone has had an experience where you're sitting there and you're playing D D and you're going through a combat and for some reason people just don't have their actions prepared as in like not mechanically i mean like people just like have to think about whatever their characters are doing which that's a whole another rant i'm not gonna get into that which is fine <laughs> like okay there's a lot of spells and and things you can do and if there's a battle map you gotta pop okay whatever like there's a lot of things to consider so everyone's turn takes like 10 fucking minutes and then finally it's your turn and you've been sitting there like okay i'm gonna cast a spell it's gonna be sick and then you roll the die and you get some dog shit number that doesn't matter because the mitigation is absolute poo poo doo doo garbage and so you miss and then that's it. That's your turn. So then you have to wait another like 15 fucking minutes <laughs> before you can roll a d20 again to probably just miss again. And it's like, wow, this is amazing, engaging gameplay. I love this. <laughs> I love people mumbling math under their breath, uh, trying to f- figure out how to add two single digit numbers together. And oh my God, sorry. I just <laughs> For me, there's a dice mechanic that pisses me off more than that. Oh, tell okay. us. And it's it's <laughs> yeah, the kids us. and bikes. It's the kids on bikes mechanic where the thing you're best at, you get to roll a d20 in, and the thing you're second best at, you get to roll a d12 in, and just the the variation between those two is still baffling to me. <laughs> well, we need no like a D like 15. That game doesn't even have any mitigation. You don't get to add any numbers to that unless yeah. you have like your failure tokens from before. But like, no, you're just fucked in that game. If you're yeah. not rolling your best skill every time, there's no point in rolling. Yeah. Yeah. On, okay. So the question is, what is dice mechanic is your favorite and why do the others piss you off? So for me... I've been playing a lot of board games recently, and I think I've just learned I just fucking hate dice mechanics. I hate all <laughs> dice mechanics. Like, that's probably a controversial opinion in TTRPGs because, like, so much of it is, like, rolling dice and the clickety-clacks. And, and I will admit that, like, throwing D20s or, like, a, a handful of D6s is, is, like, and hearing them roll on table is, like, the sense, like, the sensory part of it is great. The gameplay mechanic aspect of it that gates you from like doing things fucking awful like if i just want to sit by myself in a room with a bare table and just roll dice like by myself and like you know that's all i want to do like i can i can just do that i don't need to play a game where i'm just disguising the mechanics as me wanting to throw down 10 d6s and then not have fun doing that like if the end goal for me is I want to hear clicky clacks, I'll just fucking do that. I don't need to <laughs> read a two hundred pages of rules and be like, okay, uh, I'll roll a d twenty every twenty minutes. I can I do that. The real, I think the real thing we're learning here is that Bappy actually just hates tabletop. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy telling stories and having experiences with my friends. <laughs> But see, this is why this is Despite another reason dice. why the, this is another <laughs> this is another reason why the escalation die is so good is because it adds more mitigation to your rolls. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, at that snappy combat, man, that shit is the best. Um, I 
am not sure I have a favorite. Um, I think mine probably is also the Escalation die, but uh, Dorica already called dibs on that. So I guess my second favorite is just anytime I get to roll either the D100, um, because it makes a percentage if you roll it with a D10, and that just makes my brain happy, again, with my neurodivergent hat on, um, or anytime you get to roll a handful of dice, because it's just like really satisfying when you roll that handful of dice and you, you meet whatever magic number you need to. Yeah, it's just very satisfying. Uh, but the one that pisses me off the most, which pisses me off extremely, is is the um, exploding dice. Because you have to roll two crits in a row for your exploding dice to be worth it. And you never do that. And it's really unsatisfying. Rolling a, a natural 20 is like one of the most satisfying and exciting things if you're playing like a like a traditional D20 system. And so having to roll like two sixes and then roll two sixes again or whatever blows. It's super anticlimactic most of the time and it makes me feel bad and calling it exploding dice also really confuses me. Um, I just hate it. I don't like it. Um, Please don't make me do it. Do your crits some other way. Sorry if you love exploding dice, but I can't. I can't make it work. I'm not sorry for people who love D20. You people just have a gambling problem and you're just afraid to admit it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're, we're going to move on. We have another question from Kathleen. No, I hate dice so much. <laughs> well, you're going to be able to hate more things in this question. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Kathleen has a, uh, a history of sending us in these fuck, Mary kill questions. <laughs> And um, we have another one this time, which is fuck, Mary kill for game mechanics. And our options are advancement from succeeding, like traditional XP from killing monsters in Dungeons and Dragons and most video games. Advancement from failure, a silver lining from bad rolls like power in the powered by the apocalypse games and kids on bikes or milestone leveling which is character advancement is story-based like in Heroic Chord or how most people play Dungeons and Dragons. I, this is this one's unlike some of the others is super easy for me, which is that I would marry milestone leveling because it's the best. It makes the most sense to me from both a storytelling and gameplay perspective. And it always feels good when you finish something and they're like, and you killed the boss and now you get eight quadrillion XP. It feels great. I would... Fuck advancement from failure, because it's kind of nice to have like a little upside to failure. Um, But I always forget to do it because I'm too busy thinking about what I'm going to do next to recover. And I would absolutely kill advancement from succeeding because it works great in video games. And it's super fucking boring in D&D because all it does is encourage you to kill a bunch of monsters and stuff. And it's like, I can roll RNG and kill a bunch of monsters in Skyrim. I don't have to do it with my friends uh, with a bunch of dice. Um, It's just like the most boring way to do it. I feel like I don't have to answer this question now because you just said everything I was going to say (laughs) word for word exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. I was the idea thief. Oh, no. You're like, no, you're just right. (laughs) Okay. So let me paint you a picture. I am on the moon. On the moon, I am stuck with these three uh, (laughs) ideas, right? Are you going to kill one of them with a rock? (laughs) I am going to kill one of them with a rock. But first, I'm going to make a beautiful homestead on the moon with two of these. Two of these ideas. And the one I would would fuck is I would would fuck milestone leveling. Because, Because that is... 
in a way, advancement from failure is kind of wrapped up in milestone leveling because it's like if you fail to kill the big bad, then like you know your DM can still be like, okay, like at the end of the session, you d- you failed the fight, but I'll still give you a level. So uh, I I will I will fuck that, and I will go into into further why I would marry advancement from failure because to me that is an an explicitly stated game mechanic where you are gaining something from failing and that is a way to mitigate dice because everyone just fucking loves dice so much uh it's fine if you fail because you still get something out of it because it's not just i roll a d20 and i get a one and now i'm just fucked out of having fun or doing anything with my turn it's like okay cool i get an exp point you know at least i got something out of it and the the downside of that is maybe you don't get level ups as quickly as someone who's failed a bunch but that's why in like monster of the week for instance you still get exp at the end of each session you would you would do both you would do um advancement from failure and you would do milestone leveling uh so that way you're not like fucking someone out of level ups just because they did well this session like that's not you know that's not fun either um and then the one i would take out back and i would find the biggest rock to to smash it with would be advancement from succeeding because i just yelled about (laughs) for 10 to 15 minutes about why that's a problem in dice games with very little mitigation because because you're not sometimes you're just not going to be succeeding and then you just you just don't get anything from that like that's this is just this is capitalism but with, <laughs> with tabletop <laughs> games and also like here's the thing i will point out Pe- like people will do their best to make these things like video games and make it grindy like when you grind in a video game you're just killing monsters to get exp and that's totally fine in a video game because i can just like hit auto battle and then just like zone out whereas if you're grinding in a a, a monster fight let's say you're fighting waves of monsters you're just sitting there for like two hours like rolling dice and once again what's what's built in a dice roll shitty dice rolls and shitty rng and i don't want to deal with that so i would find the biggest d20 shaped rock and i would kill advancer from succeeding with it all right (laughs) (laughs) and i would go back to my two loving spouses at my moon homestead (laughs) where we will have fun and and they understand how much i hate dice (laughs) all right our next question is from martha who asks are there any other game systems you're particularly eager to explore and oh martha we have lists and lists and lists (laughs) There are probably too many that are on my list, one of which that I'm most excited to play. I'm not going to say because it's a spoiler. You'll find out uh, at the end of Pathfinder here in a little bit. But one I said before that I really wanted to play and I wasn't sure if we could was Shadowrun. Um, and I finally gave in and bought the beginner box, which means at some point we're going to be playing Baby's First Shadowrun because I just I just gotta. It's one of the classics and I just love a cyberpunk urban fantasy. So that's that's definitely on my list. I'm I'm very eager to check it out. Uh, I might run it at home with like my partner or something so that I'm not stumbling into it the first time. Like, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm not going to know what I'm doing even more so than normal. Um, yeah, maybe like I'm a really baby's first shadow it. crawl. Yeah, shadow crawl. Exactly. 
I think for me, a lot of the games I end up being interested in, um, they either look way too edgy or they're like <laughs> some variation of Powered by the Apocalypse. Um, like I was looking at, what is it? I think it's called Apocalypse Keys. That looks really cool. But like a lot of these like more edgy games, I'm just like, will this fit in our <laughs> narrative or like... Would it just make everyone depressed again in character? So, um, I don't know. I'll have to parse through all the things. There's also another one called, like, The Spire, which is kind of, like, I don't know if it's cyberpunky, but it's, like, kind of, like, near future, but with, like, fantasy races and stuff like that. And that one's also kind of, like, a little more depressing because it's, like, fighting against oppression and stuff like that but yeah may maybe we'll play one of those in the future if i delve into it a bit more and i'm like okay this won't make everyone sad <laughs> i always have games that i want to play but like you know like others have said not every game is like good for the podcast for like personal stuff like personal games i would love to play more like thirsty sword lesbians and I real, but that's another powered by the apocalypse. So it's like we've already done stuff like that on the podcast. I would love to play more of uh, Star Trek Adventures, which is a really interesting system, but it's also like pretty complicated. And I don't know like how interesting it would be in a one shot game. But I don't know. Maybe I'll get to it eventually. Maybe I'll play it. I do really like Star Trek. I also, for me, just myself would love to play more like solo games but uh that's uh that's bonus material so Dorka's gonna take us to the moon and kill us with a rock <laughs> it's true just have her own podcast <laughs> yeah the the pbta thing is like such a bummer because there's so many awesome pbta games but like we've already played one and we shouldn't play them too often probably at this point we could do another but like we better make it worth it you know well i don't know when's the last pbta game we played it was monster of the monster week, of the right? week yeah so it's been like two Ten years chapters, yeah <laughs> and some of them are really like have a lot that is different like i would say um monster of the week and thirsty sword lesbians are two extremely different games yeah oh i guess dungeon bitch is powered by the apocalypse oh, oh yeah, yeah that's, that's true but so still it's been a while been like two and that years. was another extremely different game yeah, yeah so. that's true. Maybe maybe we'll sneak some in there in the future. Stay tuned. All right. Last question in our tabletop category, also from Martha. When you envision your favorite game, whether it exists or not, what are its hallmarks? Cool magic. Dice mitigation. <laughs> uh, dinosaurs. Okay, we can work with this, honestly. Yeah, this, is, this already <laughs> sounds pretty legit. Yeah. I think there aren't enough games out there that are, like, really about dinosaurs. Why don't you make one? I am. Oh, I have, well, there you go. <laughs> I have more than one game being written right now that are focused on dinosaurs. Um, but I need to, like, actually, like, buckle down and do the work on that. What's your yeah. dice mitigation in these games? Uh, still working on that. Okay. <laughs> if you don't work on it right, Bappy's going to come to your house and, and pee on your front step. Yeah. Babby's like, if I have to roll a single d20, so help me God. <laughs> I will scream, I will face God, and walk backwards into hell. <laughs> Your game is just going to be rolling flat d20s, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so on to our last category, which are personal questions. 
Kathleen is first, who has asked, what is y'all's favorite running joke on the Eternity Archives? I'm going to go all the way back to to chapter one on this one and say uh, non-lethal ranged damage. Yeah, that's a good one. That is an extremely good one. That's definitely one of my favorites. I think it's either non-lethal ranged damage or Elena, the banana lady. Yeah. Also from chapter one. Yeah, that's true. Though she's She's been in many chapters. We haven't seen her in a hot minute, though, I feel like. That's true. It's because we've had a lot of a lot of guests and a lot of like really focused games where we're like, this is what we want to get out of this. And so we've forgotten to sneak Elena in there. No longer. I mean, I also like Linda's book club. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's not really a joke, though. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry for making a joke out of Linda's book club. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> yeah, it's very serious. <laughs> I also like real not being able to hold weapons oh yeah. real's gotten better with that though they yeah it's true they're showing character development i also really like zen being afraid of snakes yeah that <laughs> one's really funny i like that <laughs> all right our next question is from martha which is what are your favorite tea time beverages is this like the attorney archive beverages or like uh, what are what are you drinking right now Nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you had something to drink right now, what would you be drinking? Uh, I have peach Waterloo downstairs. Mm. Is that something you like to drink? Uh, yeah, I like sparkling water. I'm proud of myself for being a grown-up and uh, liking sparkling water. I also it's good for you. <laughs> like sparkling water. It's delicious. Yeah, I usually end up doing sparkling water or um, a cup of tea of any kind honestly usually black tea but i have lots of different teas and sometimes i'll do a glass of mead because it's fun meat mead meat <laughs> honey wine mead <laughs> uh right now i am drinking um juice um strawberry peach flavored juice mm. if i didn't have that i would be drinking strawberry lemonade so basically like red flavored juices i like juice there's nothing wrong with juice. It's delicious. Yeah. All right. And our last question today, uh, also from Martha, what real or mythical pet slash animal companion would each of us choose and why? Uh, Ziva, you can go first. Unicorns, <laughs> if they were real. Not bees. And if we had to choose specifically from the Eternity Archives, giant bees. Bees. Beads? <laughs> <laughs> we already did that joke on this episode. This but, is Bappy's favorite running joke. <laughs> to be fair, Just it is content very good. from other shows. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. I would a thousand percent have a unicorn in my house right now um, if I could do so. And again, if I had to choose a library specific pet, I would a hundred percent have both Pitter and Patter, and they would. Um, crawl up on the couch with me and buzz on my lap while we watch TV and it would be great. I'm, I want to say dumpling, but I'm also afraid of saying dumpling because I'm like, <laughs> that's just like, you know, they're very fluffy and cute and they can do a lot of things, right? Like they can help you with chores and whatnot and keep you on schedule. But I also feel like because they're like this strange eldritch being creature monster that you don't know like it's just inviting like danger into your home so i don't know 
Maybe they're renticles. <laughs> For me, uh, I'm extremely basic. And like, honestly, you can't beat a good dog. I just really I mean, love please dogs. don't beat dogs. <laughs> if if I had the option to choose any real or mythical animal as a pet, like, I don't know, I, I'd probably just pick a dog. But I, I think I could also, uh, I'd also be pretty happy with like, just maybe just like a little dragon. No big, no larger than a dog. So a dog-sized dragon. Yeah. That'd be what pretty about, sick. What about a mythical dog? Even better. Well, like, yeah, but no, but like, what mythical dog? Like Clifford? Would you would you want Clifford? Probably not. I don't think Clifford would be happy in an apartment. I'm trying to think of other mythical dogs, and my mind is totally blank right now. The Black Shock, Gellert, um, not the Neopet, the mythological figure. <laughs> um, any Neopet you want, I guess, now that I brought it up. I I'm Lassie. I'm drawing a fucking blank, y'all. Is is Lassie not real? No, I mean, Lassie's not a Lassie's like a fictional dog, but not yeah. a mythical dog. Okay, that's fair. Cerberus, Cerberus. There we go. <laughs> okay, but like all of these are like really big dogs, and I'm happy with just like a dog that can happily fit in my house. Okay, what about a small Cerberus? Cool. Okay. All right. We need to find a way to breed a three-headed dog and give it to Dorka for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And that is all of our questions. So thank you, everyone, who uh, sent them in and asked us your questions from the serious to the more ridiculous. We appreciate you, and we had fun answering them. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to at me, you can at me about how uh, your wrong opinions on why dice are good mechanics, because they're not i am um, begging someone to pick a fight with bathy on uh, d20 mechanics i'll say it i'll say it i think all dice are bad no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> now some dice are more fine than others bappy is now going to demand that all the games that we play on the show are tarot card based or Django tower based or getting some rocks outside <laughs> It turns out Bappy was the dice tyrant all along, and they are taking all of our dice. Throwing them in the garbage. I'm here to save you! (laughs) You don't know what you're doing. So anyway, um, join us in our next arc, Pathfinder, where we roll lots of d20s and play a d20 game. I had fun, despite what I have said in this episode oh, that'd be that spoilers okay oh, but no we sorry. do we do have fun and we're very excited to share it with you yeah so uh until next time uh thanks for listening bye bye thank you the eternity archives is hosted produced and edited by dorka bappy and Siva. find us on twitter at at the archives pod or online at the eternity Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Proud member of the Rainbow Roll Network. Rainbow Roll. Our stories, our voices.